1: Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap and wealth through Web3. Blockchain technology can be anything. That's what they're doing. They're here to support other women and they are supporting themselves in the process. They said 70% of Latin Americans are underbanked or unbanked. 51% are using crypto. And we actually have a country, Iceland, who is at 90% parity. And guess what they have? 12 months maternity leave. Isn't that gorgeous? Women, do you want to wait 132 years to have a year maternity leave? I don't from can to can i'm your host cams and i'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through web3 whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you let's get it hi and welcome to women who web3 it's your girl, Cam's. On this week's show, we're talking about web through gaming and women, especially women in leadership in the gaming industry. Hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars are being raised and invested to fuel next generation blockchain gaming. We all know how huge the gaming industry is, especially in the United States, just with COVID this year and how the pandemic has impacted us with people with the lockdown and staying at home. The U.S. saw $160 billion in sales in the gaming industry. Atari, one of the OGs and pioneers in the gaming space, is using Web3 platforms to create tokens for Web3 gaming. A Web3 game publisher Phoenix Games raised $150 million in funding to acquire, invest, and to distribute blockchain games. And a recent study actually found that 48% of American gamers are female. This is by the Entertainment Software Association. And additionally, about half of all players globally across the world are women. So, this is a huge market for women. However, female leaders and executives in the gaming industry are almost nothing. And the women who are building games aren't seeing that amount of investment in their companies. And as we've talked about before, when we have more women in leadership, those companies are more likely to thrive, more likely to have more revenue. So gaming industry, what's up? We have two amazing Forbes-recognized women here today to chat about women and leadership in gaming industry, especially when it comes to blockchain gaming. We'll start with Miriam. She is an entrepreneur operating at the intersection of no-code gaming, purposeful content creation, and blockchain, she was named to the Forbes Next 1000 list, which honors startups and businesses with less than 10 million in sales, but limitless potential to inspire. She is the founder and CEO of GRID, which stands for Gaming Revolution for International Development, where they're reimagining the way video games are created and used. She's right now building Bresna.io, a platform that empowers users to create, share, and monetize their own purposeful Web3 video games with no code at lightning speed. Think TikTok for video games. Ketaki is currently the chief technology officer at Crikey, a mobile AR gaming app that she actually co-founded with her sister. Hey, more women. She received her BA, MA, and PhD at the Stanford Virtual Human Interaction Lab and previously worked at Google and Meta. While she was at Meta, she worked on the Oculus VR and she was awarded Forbes 30 under 30 in the 2020 class in the gaming category. Talk about these incredible women paving the way for gaming industry. Welcome, Miriam and Ketaki. Thank you so much, Cam.
2: So excited to be here. So excited to be sharing the stage with Ketaki. And thank you so much for that awesome warm intro. Super excited.
0: Likewise, thank you so much for this opportunity. and super excited to be here with Miriam today.
1: So happy to have you both. I'm so inspired by both of you. Kereke has been helping so much with UX research. And while she was talking, I was like, you have to be on the show. And Miriam joined our Twitter space and she was sharing all about her gaming platform. And me and Michelle were like, you have to be on the show. So just we're so excited to have both of you here. Maryam, let's start with you. What gets you up in the morning and motivates you?
2: Ooh, Kams, um that's a fun one, right? So it's like, I think what gets me up is, as you said, we're building Breshna, and Breshna, the big idea behind Breshna is that anyone can tell their stories through video games. I mean, I grew up playing games like SimCity, where I was learning about urban planning without even knowing I was learning about urban planning. There are around 1 billion video game players around the world today, and only 200,000 people making games. And that's the reason that we don't see a diversity of story, characters, music, languages in games, right? Because, I mean, all the games have the New York City skyline and the yellow cab and the same kind of characters, because there's only a few people building games. And for me, I think true democratization of storytelling can happen through video games if we remove the skills barrier. So what gets me up at night is the vision of a world where anyone can tell their story to video games, just like anyone can make a TikTok video and to make it that simple for people to make their own hyper-casual video games and to and to just you know be able to communicate um, to, to their own video games. So that's what I'm building and that's what gets me up and going.
1: Whoa, you touched on so much right there, especially bringing culture and representation into the gaming industry and touching on why that's so important to have more stories. We'll talk a little bit about that after. Kereke, what gets you up in the morning?
0: Yeah, first of all, that was an amazing answer and totally agree with pretty much everything that was said. One of the reasons that we decided to start our own business was that we felt that there wasn't a whole lot of representation in interactive media and we wanted to try to start to change the tide on that. We also build developer tools that combine artificial intelligence to generate 3D assets and then plug those directly into game templates that are compatible with any 3D engine. It's a similar idea where we know that there's a high barrier to entry. You need to know how to make high fidelity assets. You need to understand how to program. We're trying to lower that barrier so that anybody who has an idea can come in and be a creator right away. I think in particular, this idea of generative art, so using artificial intelligence models to build 3D assets, to rig and animate human characters. Uh, We'll be offering this in our beta starting in Q1. And we think that's going to bring a lot of people to the table who maybe had an idea before, but weren't able to make their own art. Um, and so it's really powerful to see what we can do with technology. And more importantly, anyone can be a creator. That's really the vision that we're pushing for.
1: Ketiki, I'm especially interested in understanding a little bit more about the technical aspects of creating especially, but I'm going to pivot here and I'm just going to ask a question to both of you, whoever wants to answer. Why gaming in the Web3 space?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that Gaming is really where people spend a lot of their time. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Uh, One is that it's very engaging. So you have a lot of agency with gaming or really any type of interactive media. Uh, Two is that games today can take on many different forms. So as, as Miriam mentioned, there's hyper casual games, there's, you know, console games. There's a lot of different ways to engage people. But when you add the blockchain layer to it, I think this idea of digital asset ownership, so really having a part in in what you're building is so important. Today, when you play a traditional console game, you're investing, in some cases, hundreds of hours, right? Building out a character, achieving things in this virtual world. But at the end of the day, you, the consumer, don't actually own anything that you've built. Um, You know, it belongs to the company. And I think if you own your character, whether that's your human avatar, your accomplishments or, or something else there's a real incentive to play the games because you're not just benefiting from the experience, which is of course great. You're also potentially benefiting uh, in monetization from owning your own character and being able to do interesting things with it.
2: I love, love, love that answer, Kediki. And I think like CryptoKitties was back in the days, like when you think about uh, blockchain and gaming, they actually go way, way back, right? And everything, they have this history. So it's almost like you can't be in gaming without really thinking about, digital goods, assets, and and blockchain. And for us, we did start as a web two platform and we were like, hey, anyone can make their own hyper casual games. And we kept getting asked two questions. One, uh, like Keriki said, what happens to the game assets that like, I mean, you know, that I'm putting in, like those are just okay, are they centralized? Do I own them or not? But then more importantly, can I put my own NFTs in my own video games? And that I think like right now, if you look at all web three games, all the assets that are generated, even though they're NFTs, are being generated by the ga- gaming studio, right, and everything. So like Axies or like, you know, I mean, the Wolf game or whatever NFTs you have. But we're trying to allow people to upload their own doodles, their own cats, their own, like, you know, I mean, crypto covens into their own simple hyper casual minigame. So you could be running and catching your doodles and you could be running with your crypto covens. So it's like just being able to use your own music, your own backgrounds, your own Um, NFTs, your own PFPs as collectibles in these mini video games, I think there's a huge potential, which is a layer of utility for all NFT projects. So we're doing that, but then we're also building our virtual carnival. So once you've made your game, you take it to the Breshnaverse where you get to display the games and monetize them. So I think the two things that it comes down to is digital ownerships and transfer and monetization. And I think those two things just lend themselves so at the end of the day, our user does not really care whether it's the blockchain, like what chain we're building on. They care about the functionality. And then the functionality that we, the value add that blockchain gives is, hey, you own what you create within Brashna, and you can also bring your own stuff into Breshna, and then you also are able to monetize it and display it in the Brashnaverse.
1: Incredible information you're both sharing with us. I wanted to share, I wanted to dox myself a little bit. I'm a huge gamer. I absolutely love games. RPGs are my favorite. I've played all the Final Fantasies. They're my f- I've probably played them a million times. Probably thousands of hours of gameplay in my life. I especially love the Switch. So everything on the I've probably played, I don't know, I love all the Mario games, Zelda. Is, I'm a huge fan of Zelda, well, Legend of Zelda and all those games. And Pokemon, oh, don't get me started. But you're right we're investing a ton. And what features came out that I was so, so excited about was being able to choose my skin, my skin color in these games and seeing myself in these games. So this is really, really important. And now that gaming industry is understanding, there's so many, so many, like even academic research on the importance of avatars, especially representing the user and being able to customize is so important. How powerful is it that we can own our assets now, and we can own our avatar? I would have loved to, you know, my level one hundred, you know, <laughs> uh, avatar with all like all of the souped up everything that it has. That would have been cool if it was mine, but it's not owned by me. So that's interesting. So we know that women are huge gamers. That half the world, uh, ga- half the world's gamers are women. Why is it so important for women to become Web3 gamers?
2: I think, honestly, Web3 gaming, like we discussed, is going to change the face of how we game, both in terms of ownership, monetization, but also interoperability, right? This idea of like, OK, I mean, if you are building an avatar in one world, can you then take it to a, another game with you? And I think that's something that's coming up. And just like you said, cams. I mean, the reason is it's important is because we're already there. Like we're we're. we're of the consumers actually in mobile gaming, the average gamer for hyper casual mobile games is a 36 year old woman in the US. Like that is the profile. It's not, you know, a 22 year old guy sitting in a basement playing Call of Duty. It's actually probably a, a 36 year old woman playing Candy Crush on the Metro. And I think that that demographic is so important, both in terms of M3 gaming, but also. User generated content, like this idea that, like, I mean, that Keriki and I were talking about, like, democratizing content creation through video games. Like, if women are able to tell their own stories, whether it's an educational game, a social impact game, you know, I mean, a marketing training or an entertainment game, if you're able to do that and then own that content that you create and then monetize that content that you create, I think it's just hugely powerful for that diversity of thought and perspective. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think typically the reason there's so few women building games is that the barriers to entry are very, very high to build a high fidelity game, right? You have to go out and hire a whole team. They are, there's all these different specialized skill sets. And so what's really interesting about these types of tools that make it very easy to create games is that for people who want to be in this industry and who want to either game themselves create or maybe do both as as we all said we like to play games and we like to create games i think there soon those things could merge so you could be a creator and a and a player but if there's tools that make it easier for you to do that all of a sudden even people who maybe are in underrepresented groups who don't get the lion's share of this funding they can still have a huge success um it really opens up the the top of the funnel and the playing field for what's possible you don't have to necessarily get venture funding in order to be part of this industry Calling all early-stage crypto, blockchain, and web3 startups, teams, and builders. Apply to CoinDesk PitchFest, powered by Google Cloud, and pitch live on stage at Consensus in Austin this April. Winners will receive two VIP Piranha passes to Consensus 2024, featured coverage on CoinDesk, and an invitation to present at CoinDesk's Private Investor Summit Ideas 2023. Learn more and apply at consensus.coindesk.com/pitchfest.
1: I wanted to understand a little bit more and unpack that a little bit. Tell us about the platforms you're building. But while you're sharing, I would love to understand a little bit more of how you got into it, especially for women who are listening, who are like, man, how do I find, like, how do I start uh, leading in the gaming industry? Would love to hear a little bit more about your backgrounds and and all about what you're building.
2: Sure. I can I can take it. I really do believe that if I can do it, anyone can do it. And the reason I say that is because I'm non-tech. I did not get a degree in in gaming. I, I'm not a software engineer. I'm actually, my first master's is in econ and my second master's is in international development studies. I come at this from 12 years of working at the World Bank in education policy across 22 different countries. So I came at this being like, oh, you know what? Like, we should be like understanding education policy, behavior change, and international development. And eight years ago, I mean, I just kept seeing in, in my work, I just kept seeing that purposeful communication, the way we would raise awareness around health or financial literacy or climate action or education was just so boring, right? It was like, here's a brochure, here's a workshop. And actually, it's even more boring when, unfortunately, you're dealing with the bottom billion. Because this very unfortunate narrative that just because someone is living under the poverty line that entertainment is not important in their lives, just like completely like I mean it's it's patronizing, it's wrong, it's just it blows my mind. I grew up, I blew up. I did grow up blowing up (laughs) video games and I, I grew up playing video games. And I think that for me it was so important to to be entertained while I was learning. And so around eight years ago, I actually put together a team, a team of developers and designers from Pakistan, which is my home country, and we started building these low-cost mobile games for positive behavior change. One of the first games we made was on menstrual health. It was a period game where you were catching tampons and pads with a pair of undies that you were moving at the bottom of the screen, and you would bust menstrual myths, right? And that was the game. It was a simple, simple game, but then that kind of laid the foundation for a game on reproductive health with, like, a couple of universities. We made a game on endometriosis, which went through a randomized control trial. And that kind of became, you know, this journey of purposeful communication. And one of the things I realized was that we were making games where we weren't making them fast enough. Because the problem with the gaming studio is keeping the power of that skills with us was, again, there's only so many games we could create. So 2021 hit and we were like, you know what? Clearly there's a demand for these kinds of games. They don't have to be the Zelda of climate action, but it could be the Candy Crush of climate action, right? And there's a demand for these kinds of games, so why don't we democratize? Why don't we build the Canva for video game? And that was the birth of Brashnam, which is a very Canva-like, um, you know, I mean, user interface where you just all the games, the templates are pre-coded for you. You have this library of 2,500 game assets that you can choose from. And starting December, you can actually upload your own assets, including your own NFTs. So you can basically build like a Super Mario kind of game in less than five minutes. So it's truly lightning speed. The word actually Breshna means lightning in the Pashto language, which is my mother tongue. So the big idea is video games at lightning speed. Anyone can make a hyper casual game. We have teachers in South Africa making math games. We have mothers in Philippines using Breshna to create games for their kids. You know, it's like, I mean, it's just like we're seeing education, marketing, social impact, all kinds of video games, Trevor Noah games, makeup games, prom proposal games, birthday games, just everything that you see on TikTok, we're seeing that kind of content and that creativity on, on Prashna. So super excited to, to be building.
1: Yes. So, so much. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. And basically you're saying I could do this too. <laughs> Thank you for sharing just all about who you are and, and women listening to this, this, this show. I hope you you're taking notes. I hope you're researching these women and you're following them everywhere that you can. I didn't get a chance to test out either of your platforms, but I hope I get the chance to. Kediki, I'm going to throw it over to you. Same question. Um, more about your background and tell us what you're building. I think
0: for me, my journey actually began uh, in documentary film. Uh, my sister and I produced a film. <laughs> I can't believe it's been ten years now. Um, but we took it to Tribeca and uh, sold it to Univision. And it was actually about a classmate of ours um, who became the youngest elected official in America. Uh, But the whole point of that was we, my sister and I, we love working together. Um, We knew we always wanted to do something else after the film. And we actually ended up graduating around the same time from our graduate programs. And we were thinking, like, what's an interesting thing that we can work on? And the first thing that came to mind was augmented reality, actually, because we that was related to my research. We were very interested in using that for interactive storytelling. My sister comes from a film background, and she worked at YouTube as a creator manager as well. So thinking about how do we empower people who don't have technical skills to tell stories with new technologies, that's kind of always been something that we're interested in. And so that's where we started, and the whole idea of gaming was very appealing to us because that's a great way to bring people in every single day, right? Because the experiences can be dynamic. They can be interactive. It's much more than just watching a video. And that's that's really what we wanted to produce. Um, so we started building games um, just like uh, Miriam. We started in Web2 as well. But then we realized quickly that for a lot of people, they really want to own the things that they're building. And after a certain point, people do get frustrated when they're investing a lot of time and they realize, hey, this belongs to Crikey. Like, this doesn't <laughs> belong to me at the end of the day. And so we decided to go into Web3. We were actually still a, a consumer-facing product at that time. Um, so we had a, a mobile app that was a top 25 app. It's actually still in the top 25 today in India. Um, it's That's the Crikey app. So it's like a metaverse gaming app for South Asia. Um, we then built Solar Pups on Flow, which is a, a B2C NFT dog game. So very similar to CryptoKitties, but with dogs. And then as soon as we launched Solar Pups, um, a lot of NFT projects actually reached out to us and they were asking us, Um, How do I do what you've done with your mobile app? Um, How do I build an augmented reality experience? Um, How do I get these 3D characters? And so we realized maybe what we really need to do is turn all of this into tools so that people can use it. Because exactly as you said, Miriam, we can only produce so many games with the team that we have. And that's normal. That's a natural constraint. But if we take our knowledge and templatize it and just give it to anybody who wants it, there's a lot of power in that we can quickly accelerate adoption of web three, adoption of augmented reality, which is something that I'm personally very passionate about, and really try to drive forward these new technologies. For me, after going through you know all my schooling, I think one of the takeaways is there's a lot of cool technologies like AI, AR that people have heard about, but they don't know how to use them um, to build something meaningful. And so for the people that that <clears throat> for the people that have studied this and the people that that know how to do it, I think we kind of have a responsibility to make it easier for others to, to use these technologies, whether that's as consumers or as builders. And so that's kind of the perspective that I'm coming at this from.
2: Cam's, can I just jump in for two things? Because I think anyone who's listening right now, two things that I want to underline with what just Kediki just said that like so relevant. First of all, Sibling partnerships work. I also build this with my brothers. There's like, you have two women in Web3 that are like working with their siblings. They make amazing partners because you fought it all out. You know exactly how to fight. You know exactly how to go about this. It's just so easy to build together. I love, love working with my brother. But one of the things that I was going to say is there's there's this message in both our journeys, which is we both went from service-based studios where we were the builders to this idea of templatization and creating scale. And VCs love that, right? So a VC will probably not touch a gaming studio because there's not that scale over there. Airbnb did not go around buying hotels. Uber did not go around buying cars. They created the platform for others to use it, right? So this is that idea of if there's a gold rush, don't go digging gold, sell the spades. So I think that there's a huge opportunity Breshna is something we've raised around $2.5 from investors like Paris Hilton and Blockchain Founders Fund and others. And the reason for that was that it was so exciting for them that we can empower the next 100 million people to tell their stories through video games. So there's a very interesting story here, which which is really cool that it resonates is service-based is cool, get your experience there, but then like kind of templatize all of that knowledge and let, let others empower others to build.
1: Yes, I love the themes that are being presented in both your stories and you summarized it so beautifully, Mary. I was gonna bring that up. Something else that I wanted to to add was that both of you there was the idea of like non-tech background and then building something scalable for more people to adopt, lowering the barriers for people to adopt and to build and to own. So both of you are doing just incredible things. My mind is blown by everything you guys are sharing. As we mentioned, there's some trends in your stories, but also you present such beautiful, unique solutions for women, for anybody across the globe to build. There's this theme that I've seen in Web3 Gaming where, you know, a lot of NFT communities, there's Star Atlas out there. They're building platforms where users can monetize through through Web3 Gaming. Is this something you see women should be taking advantage of
2: again, this is the generation of content creators. If you are creating content and games, if, if you're creating games or if you're playing games, I mean, that is that is a form of either creating or consuming content. And if there is monetization to happen, then absolutely. I think the one thing that's happening in Web3 Gaming, we, we saw was play to earn, right? And then um, that actually um, was super popular and then got a lot of backlash. And some of that backlash, rightfully so, because Play to earn is almost counterintuitive to the idea because games stopped being fun. And the only reason people were in there was to earn. And it has to be a play and earn. Fundamentally, a game has to be fun, right? So if a game is just simply being there to hustle and grind and earn, then that's when the tokens go up and the tokens go down, right? So, I mean, the game itself has to have a sustainable economy, the ecosystem for the people to continue to show up. So I think, yes, there's a huge opportunity for monetization in Web3 Gaming. But just be, be sure that the projects that you get involved with, if monetization is the only incentive for the player to be there, uh, those are projects that that may be a little bit more riskier to be involved with, right? So I mean, like, I mean, you know, if you're just playing the game and that's why we built Breshna and the Breshnaverse before we're even touching the token, is because we want to make sure that the underlying utility, that Breshna is fun, that you can make your own video games, is established before you bring any financial incentives into the mix, because that does make things a little bit more challenging and a little bit more cloudy.
1: That makes sense. Kediki, what's your take on that? I I didn't even mention play to earn, but I'm so happy you brought it up. I'm interested mainly just to see, like, what's the risk there? And and what do you think about women taking advantage of monetizing in Web3 gaming?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely think there's, you know, pros and cons to the play to earn business model. I would say also that, I think during the bull run, there was a huge spate of projects where everybody was trying to turn their NFTs into a game just because it seemed like the right thing to do. But I would actually say that not every collection needs to have a game. Like maybe some collections need to have experiences that are 3D interactive. Others do games. It really depends on what the community needs and like what the theme and the ethos of the collection is. So I guess that's one thing that I've learned over the last few months is that you know, it's not one size fits all. So like games don't necessarily work for everyone. Like some people may need to do something that's more of like a story type experience or something. And so that's that's the first part. And then I think the second thing is I, there's definitely an opportunity for women to really engage and monetize via Web3. I think there's a ton of great communities that have come up that allow that. Um, I'm part of the World of Women community. I absolutely love it. I haven't monetized off of it, but I, I think that's a great example of a community where you meet a lot of great people you gain so much value just from meeting other holders and going to the events. Um, and so to me, that's kind of like how I see engaging with Web3 right now for myself as, as a woman is how do I join collections that are going to really like elevate the way I think about things, allow me to meet interesting people. And then later, sure, there could be like a, you know, a monetization component of that as well. But I kind of think all of Web3 is a little bit like pre-monetization for holders, like What was happening earlier with the flipping of NFTs and all of that, that's not sustainable. Like To to really get to sustainable revenue, like we first have to build the communities, make sure holders are actually committed to this for the long term, and then you can start experimenting with some of these business models.
1: Love it. Thank you for breaking that down for us, especially to touch on the pros and the cons. Something I wanted to bring up was, yes, um, we actually had Shannon Snow on our show a couple of weeks ago. And she chatted a lot about how World of Women is building gaming in the metaverse. And it's so interesting and so powerful. We know that women are huge um, um, users of the metaverse. We're there. We spend a lot of time there. We're active users there. So not only are we just logging in, we're logging in every day and we're spending some time there. So just thank you for building for women and building for people in mind that it may not have the technical skills to be able to build. I'm so happy to see women builders doing this. I wanted to make sure that those who are listening, and we could go on and on forever. We just talked about, we brought up so many things. We we're talking about the intersection of education, social good, blockchain, gaming, Web3, monetization, so many different things we just, we, we talked about and discovered together. Thank you for sharing your stories, especially about how important it is to have more than the current narratives that are building the gaming space. It's incredibly important that we've learned on this show that women should be represented in this space, not only as gamers, um, because we're already there, but as women builders and leaders, and you are both building and scaling opportunities for women to be involved at an incredible level where they're able to own and build their own games. Um, So thank you for that empowerment. So last, we'll end with, Mariam, let everybody know where they can find you, your personal Twitter, your gaming, um, and then Kediki, if you can follow after.
2: Absolutely, Kams. Um, again, this was such an exciting conversation. I am so inspired by Kediki. I'm totally going to try out the app. I'd love to be on the beta for that. I mean, we're, we're building a metaverse. I'd love to build 3D art over there. I love AI generative art. So that's awesome. Where you can find me, I'm mariam i'm the founder and ceo of breshna so first of all you anyone can make a free video game in less than five minutes on breshna.io b-r-e-s-h-n-a.io completely free all you need is a website is an is an internet connectivity and and an email account so that's i mean there's not even you don't even have to be web3 savvy to make your first game on breshna i am always building in public on Twitter. So at Breshna Game um, is the handle for, for Breshna, the platform, and at Gaming for Dev is my own handle. I'm I I I'm usually on both. And it's like so funny because I'll like tweet from one and go to the other and then like it. And I'm like, oh, I got a like. Let me check it out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was me. But anyway, sometimes I'm the same person behind both. So wherever you DM, uh, chances are I will see it. Also, mariam.nusrat at gamingfordev.com but really why you can reach out is if you just want to make a game in 5 minutes i'd love that if you're an nft project that wants to put your nfts in a game and does not want to build a game from scratch would love to do that if you want to do a game jam with your community where they all make uh games using that nft project would love to talk about that as well and then we're building the brashnaverse our metaverse um you know and we're launching our own nfts um you know you could be a holder we have a lot of whitelist spots coming and you could put Uh, Breshna games in your metaverse so a lot of times metaverses are just like walk around and then what's next and we're talking to a lot of metaverse projects where it's like hey maybe you can embed like a mini game within the metaverse just so that people can play it while they're there and you don't have to go around making these mini games from scratch so I'm here to talk to and collaborate and partner because the cake only gets bigger if we collaborate because this space is just so much big so it's so huge so thank you so much And that's where to find me, Twitter and Instagram and all of that stuff. But Breshna.io is the platform.
1: Thank you, Miriam. Kedeki, you're on.
0: Yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you, cams, for having me on the show. And Miriam, it was amazing to be on with you. Super excited to see another woman building games in Web3. There needs to be more of us. So excited to see this wave turn into a tsunami. Uh, And where you can find me, so my Twitter handle is at Kataki Sriram, and then our website is crikey.xyz. We're starting our beta at the beginning of January. You can build uh, augmented reality games. Uh, You can generate AI art, 2D images, 3D assets, and uh, rigged humanoid avatars for your games with a singular text prompt. It's ready in less than five minutes um, to generate the AI assets, and you can drag and drop them uh, and put something into augmented reality. Uh, And yeah, just excited to be here and keep building and feel free to
1: reach out to me. Awesome. I want to thank you all for listening to Women Who Web 3. You can find us on the Coindesk podcast network or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Cams. Leave five stars if you learned something or if you just want to support us. Thank you for learning and growing with us. See you next week. You've been listening to Women Who Web 3 with host Kamala Ancantara. This show has been produced and edited
0: by Michelle Mousseau. Executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is All Night Long by Lunera. CAMS would love to hear from you. You can reach out to her at CAMS, K-A-M-Z, at womenwhoweb3.com or podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, Women Who Web 3. Thanks for listening.
1: Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.